right, hello everyone. This is Dr. Joel Rosen, and I'm really excited to be talking to my guest, Nathan Bryan, on the benefits and the ins and outs of nitric oxide. Dr. Bryan earned his undergraduate degree in Bachelor's of Science from the University of Texas of Austin and his doctorate degree of LSU in School of Medicine in, in Shreveport, where he was the recipient of the Dean's Award for the Excellence in Research. He pursued his postdoctoral training in Kirsten Fellow at Boston University School of Medicine in the Whitaker Cardiovascular Institute. After two-year postdoctoral fellowship, in 2006, Dr. Bryan was recruited to join the faculty at the University of Texas Health Center, Center of Houston. And in 1998, uh, the Nobel Laureate in Medicine or, uh, or Physiology. Dr. Bryan has been involved in nitric oxide, nitric oxide research for the past 19 years and has made many seminal discoveries in this field, which we'll definitely be talking about some exciting stuff today. His many seminal discoveries have resulted in dozens of issued U.S. and international patents, and the product technology resulting from his discoveries and his innovations has improved patient care worldwide. That wasn't so easy for me to say, but thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Joel. It's great to be with you. Yes. Yeah, so like I, like I said uh, in, a, in an, another interview that we had, I met you at a seminar on chronic health conditions and I was aware of nitric oxide. Um, but what I'd like to do and the reason I'm so excited to talk to you is I work with clients that are exhausted and burnt out and discovered that there may be this thing called adrenal fatigue. So um, why don't you tell us, especially for people that don't know, the story of nitric oxide and, and how it's so important in health. Yeah, well, thanks, Joe. It's always, a, I enjoy educating on nitric oxide because I think too few people know about it and really its effect on chronic health. And so, you know, you talk about burnout and adrenal fatigue, but, uh, you know, nitric oxide is probably one of the most important molecules produced in the body. It's responsible for oxygen delivery. You know, you can't make cellular energy without oxygen, and you can't deliver oxygen to the cell without nitric oxide. Uh, so that's critically important. Uh, it maintains normal blood pressure. It's a cell signaling molecule in the body, how cells communicate with one another. Uh, and now in this interesting time of COVID, it's really important for our immune function. It's basically our immune cells generate nitric oxide that then kills viruses, bacteria, and really any pathogen. So what we've figured out over the past 20 or 30 years is that people with optimal nitric oxide production seem to be the healthiest people, resistant to infection, the best athletes, uh, normal blood pressure, and then those that can't make nitric oxide, you know, bad things happen. Your blood, blood pressure increases, you have sexual dysfunction, you have cognitive disorders, and you just have a burnout. Your mitochondria don't work, and when your mitochondria can't generate cellular energy, then your body has no energy uh, to do the things that you want to do to where you can actually enjoy life. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you mentioned that last time as well, in terms of pretty much any cellular process or any biochemical reaction or any, any, pro, any signaling of the immune system is going to involve nitric oxide. Why, Nathan, is it something that's not understood or, or talked about or um, emphasized? Why? Why? Well, Joe, it's still relatively new in terms of scientific and medical discoveries. This was just molecule was discovered, you know, back in the 80s. And, you know, we're 
you know, 20, 30 years past that. And typically it takes an average of, you know, 17 to 20 years for new discoveries to be integrated into uh, clinical medicine or the, the standard of care. Uh, but nitric oxide, you know, I think it's, there's still not a lot of awareness and education on nitric oxide. I think that stems from a couple of things. Number one, there's not a standard lab that you can pull on your patients to tell you what their nitric oxide levels are. And number two, you know, there's never been really any innovations in nitric oxide drug development or drug therapy. And I think in, in terms of, you know, allopathic medicine and, and Western medicine, those are the things that drive awareness. It's new drug discovery, new drugs to market, commonly prescribed drugs, and then diagnostics for, you know, to diagnose the deficiency, which then you can you correct. So we've been, you know, educating on this for you know, going on 20 years now. Um, and I think we're making some headway. Uh, but, you know, physicians need to understand this. It's not just important for physicians and healthcare providers, but patients and consumers need to understand nitric oxide because if people begin to understand this, and I always say it's important to, you got to do two things to optimize nitric oxide production. Stop doing the things that are inhibiting nitric oxide production, and then start doing the things that have been clinically proven to restore it. And so we'll get into those details here shortly, but, um, you know, it's been my life's mission to, to bring awareness around nitric oxide because it's, it's, it's too important for people not to know about it. Yeah, and you know, the the title of, of my mission is to tell the truth about adrenal fatigue, um, because ultimately there's a lot of confusion around it. And I would say the same thing goes with a, a patented drug at, for research uh, and just the awareness of how compounding it is in the body and how the, every aspect of the body really comes down to more of a mitochondrial-based fatigue than, than an adrenal based fatigue. So um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is do you sometimes get, um, you, you kind of feel like why, you know, why, why do not, like, how is it that this is such a misunderstood phenomena, you know, in, in terms of how important this is? Yeah. Well, you, you bring up a good point. And so, you know, my philosophy, and I think it's corroborated by science, that people get sick for two reasons and two reasons only. Your body's exposed to something that it doesn't need or it's missing something that it needs. And so, you know, many chronic diseases, all chronic diseases are characterized by some degree of mitochondrial dysfunction. So that's the, the energy producing organelle of the cell. The other in interesting thing about chronic disease is that every single human chronic disease is characterized by reduced blood flow to the affected organ whether it's erectile dysfunction or whether it's coronary artery disease or kidney disease, there's always reduced blood flow to that particular affected tissue. And so nitric oxide is critical in that because nitric oxide is what's responsible for delivering oxygen and nutrients to every cell in the body. But even further than that, nitric oxide is what controls and regulates mitochondrial ATP production. So without nitric oxide, you're, you're not getting oxygen to the cell to generate energy. And without sufficient nitric oxide, the mitochondria aren't efficiently generating uh, ATP or cellular energy from that oxygen. So nitric oxide is really considered the holy grail in fixing any human chronic disease, including adrenal fatigue or mitochondrial disease. Uh, really, any chronic human disease, nitric oxide plays a role. 
Yeah, no, really well said. I, I know that what you have a gift for as well is making a complex subject into easily understandable sound bites, which is, which is great. Um, so you mentioned a little earlier, um, making sure that you minimize the things that deplete nitric oxide. So let's, let's talk about that. Well, there's two ways the body makes nitric oxide. One is through an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. It's found in the lining of the blood vessel. And then the other one is through a dietary pathway uh, where primarily green leafy vegetables contain inorganic nitrate that then can be converted into nitric oxide in the body. So the things that disrupt the endothelial nitric oxide production are your standard risk factors. So, you know, smoking, sedentary lifestyle, obesity, diabetes, all that shuts down nitric oxide production. And so you've got to stop doing those things and then correct some metabolic defects. And then in the other pathway, which I think people have failed to recognize, is that, you know, 200 million Americans wake up every morning and use an antiseptic mouthwash. And so we now know and appreciate that antiseptic mouthwash disrupts nitric oxide production. It kills the nitric oxide generating bacteria. We see an elevation in blood pressure. You lose the protective benefits of exercise by using mouthwash. Uh, antacids shut down nitric oxide production. Again, over 200 million Americans are on an antacid at any given time. Um, very dangerous drugs. Uh, so you've got to stop doing those things. Stop using mouthwash. Uh, stop using antacids, and then start doing the things that can promote it. Eat a good balanced diet, including lots of green leafy vegetables. Get moderate physical exercise. Uh, get some sunlight. Infrared sauna is very good because that can stimulate nitric oxide production. So those are some really simple kind of biohacking techniques that can, you can do to stimulate nitric oxide production. Yeah, I always love it too. Like, you, you know, when we do all this research and I'm big into the genetic component, as you know, Dr. Bob Miller, and, and you really look at some of these um, pathways, but when it comes down to it, it comes down to common sense stuff, right? Like eating healthy and um, making sure that you are active and, and especially the two though, the two of which I think are really important you just mentioned are the, the mouthwashes and the, and, the, and the proton pump inhibitors mm -hmm. or the, the things that kill off. What, can you explain why that, why that actually happens? Like get into a little bit of the physiology for people to understand maybe a little bit more deeper. Okay, well, why, why would mouthwash be a problem? Yeah, so sure, it's a very good point. So, you know, we get benefits from the foods that we eat and there are certain molecules in certain foods that have to be metabolized by bacteria. So, you know, a lot of people are focused on the gut microbiome and generating, you know, short-chain fatty acids and being involved in this process. Well, it's no different in the mouth. So when we eat foods like beets or spinach or arugula or kale, these foods are enriched in inorganic nitrate. And humans can't metabolize this molecule. So we're dependent upon the bacteria in and on the body to do this. And so there are these what we call nitrate-reducing bacteria that live in the crypts of the tongue in the mouth. And then they're responsible for metabolizing this molecule into nitrite and nitric oxide. And so people, I think, with good intentions, uh, use mouthwash to, to maintain fresh breath and to maintain good oral hygiene. But what they fail to recognize is the collateral damage from doing that. So sure, you're killing the bad bacterium, uh, but you're killing the good bacteria. And that's the collateral damage that people need to recognize because it's been shown that if you use mouthwash, you see an increase in blood pressure. There are two out of three Americans have an unsafe elevation in blood pressure. 
just so happens two out of three Americans are using mouthwash every single day. Nice correlation there. So you're killing the bad bacteria. The other thing is that, you know, people aren't eating enough green leafy vegetables. We know that the standard American diet shows that we're only getting about 150 milligrams of nitrate per day. We need 300 to 400 milligrams. So just as most people are deficient in things like magnesium and selenium and chromium and iodine, we become a nitrate deficient society. And so it's all of these things, a poor diet, use of mouthwash, and then the, the proton pump inhibitors or in acids shut down this pathway as well. So when we swallow our own saliva, which is enriched in nitride, when it enters the acid environment of the stomach, then that forms nitric oxide gas. And so that nitric oxide that's formed from swallowing our own saliva can kill things like H. pylori, the ulcer-causing bacteria. If you, if you eat a food that may be contaminated with, you know, listeria or E. coli, a lot of these foodborne pathogens, then that nitric oxide will kill those pathogens. But if you can't make stomach acid, you shut down nitric oxide production, you become more prone to foodborne pathogens, uh, you get ulcers, you can't break down proteins into amino acids, and just a lot of bad things happen when you can't make stomach acid or when you intentionally inhibit stomach acid production. Right, and so just the simple, the simple way of explaining it is you're, you're getting rid of the bacteria that helps to convert one form of the, of the compound to another, and then it takes away that therapeutic benefit of, of producing the usable nitric oxide, like you mentioned, which is essential for basically mitochondrial health and immune health and every, everything that powers the cells to work properly. That's exactly right. So you mentioned also in, in our previous interview, I know you talked about like you had had a colleague or you were consulting with a doc who had a challenging patient who had high blood pressure and they weren't aware of that connection between mouthwash. Are you finding most doctors aren't aware of that or aren't looking at it in terms of people that have high blood pressure issues or erectile dysfunction? No, there's not a lot of awareness around it. You know, we first published on this uh, probably in 2012 um, you know, it takes time to get that. And here's, here's the thing, Joel, as you recognize, people, you know, primarily, primary care docs or even cardiologists want to treat hypertension with antihypertensive therapeutics. Uh, things like ACE inhibitors, uh, calcium channel antagonists, or, or angiotensin receptor blockers. But the, what we're finding is, and th these are statistics that have been known for many decades, that 50% of the people that are taking blood pressure-lowering medications are resistant to that therapy, meaning that they're not getting adequate blood pressure management or control. So what we're finding is, it really provides an explanation for resistant hypertension, is that the hypertension is caused from oral dysbiosis rather than a renin-angiotensin problem or some fluid imbalance or calcium shuttling within the cell. So what we see is that if you get people off of antiseptic mouthwash, you'll start to see a normalization of their blood pressure. And that's a very difficult concept for cardiologists and primary care docs because it goes against everything they were taught in medical school about the regulation of blood pressure. It's a completely new paradigm now, but you know, we're in this age of the microbiome and, and genetics and we're starting to understand this symbiotic relationship and the interaction with bacteria and what they're doing for and to the human body. So it's very clear, and we've published on this and many other groups have published on it. If you take mouthwash, you see an increase in blood pressure. You lose the protective effects of exercise. And if you stop using mouthwash, 
you know, we're finding that within four days, the bacteria microbiome repopulates, you see an increase in diversity, and you get better oral hygiene. So it's, it's a balance, you know, the, there's a number of bugs that live in the mouth and they're competing for limited resources. Uh, so if you feed the good guys, the good guys keep the bad guys at bay, and that's the best way to address it. Yeah, I know it's amazing. It comes back down to that simplicity again. Um, I, I want to ask a, a couple questions because I, I, I always want to have these, these thoughts that come into my head. Um, but I, I want to kind of go down that other pathway at, for the biohackers that listen to this in terms of you talked about the endogenous within the epithelial, the, the NOS. Um, and you mentioned prior when we, when we talked, the rate limiting step is not the deficiency of arginine. So in English, what does that mean for people that read these, these books about, or the supplements or the magazines about, hey, boost your nitric oxide levels with arginine? Let's get into maybe a little bit of that. Yeah, it's a very good, good question. You know, these products have been on the market for you know, two decades now, shortly after the Nobel Prize was awarded. You know, the first pathway to be discovered was this conversion of arginine to nitric oxide by the enzyme nitric oxide synthase. But we've learned a lot about the biochemistry and enzymology of that reaction. So arginine is what we call a semi-essential amino acid, which that means that you get part of it through your diet, but it's made endogenously through the partial urea cycle. And so the amount of arginine that you need to bind to the enzyme to make nitric oxide, the body already has about 20 to 40 times more than what it needs to bind the enzyme. So giving more arginine does nothing to fuel that reaction. In fact, we now know that giving high-dose arginine can actually cause more harm than good. So you can actually, and, and plus, you start to increase the expression of an enzyme called arginase, which then diverts arginine away from nitric oxide production. So the point you make is that there's never a deficiency of L-arginine. The problem with that conversion is that the enzyme that converts arginine to nitric oxide isn't working. So giving arginine is like putting gas in a car with a blown up engine. They're not out of fuel, the engine's broken. It's the same thing with that enzyme. So that's never made sense to me biochemically, but you've got hundreds of products out there that are loaded with arginine, citrulline, antioxidants, and they're labeled as a nitric oxide product. So the point is, is that, you know, they, a lot of times these products have good ingredients like antioxidants, uh, citrulline is good, these are amino acids, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get any nitric oxide out at the other end. And so I yeah. just be cautious to it because you can get really high dose, you can get into nitrogen imbalance, you can divert it away from nitric oxide production and toward ornithine and re-disposal. Um, but those products don't do anything. I, I tell people, just save your money. You get enough arginine from your diet and from your recycle. No, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, I was just listening to a buddy of mine. You got to realize that a lot of those magazines are owned by the supplement companies as That's well. Right. Right? So um, the other thing you mentioned earlier with the cardiologists and the family physicians is the paradigm shift. They listen, they, they've learned this stuff. They've had a whole um, methodology and an algorithm for working up their clients. Um, but then they don't even put um, any stock into this other phenomena that may be resulting in those challenges, like in this case, high blood pressure. What I wanted to do was maybe get your insight on what other problems 
um, are besides high blood pressure, which we can segue into what your recent um, developments are, but what other problems where the paradigm shifts need to be made by um, the, the doctors to understand that it could be resulting in this phenomena or that phenomena besides high, high blood pressure? What are, we what are we talking about? Well, there's clear symptoms and manifestations of nitric oxide deficiency. The first one is usually an increase in blood pressure. I mean, that two out of three Americans have an unsafe elevation of blood pressure. That's a big market. And, that's a, and cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer of men and women worldwide. And to me, that's simply unacceptable because we know what causes cardiovascular disease, a lack of nitric oxide. We know how to diagnose it, and now we know how to fix it. So cardiovascular disease should be like polio, a thing of the past. But yet it's not because we haven't done a good enough job of educating and, and changing the paradigm that needs to be done. But, you know, the other thing, the first symptom that shows up is usually sexual dysfunction. So what happens is it's always a loss of regulation of blood flow. And so for sexual function, you've got to increase blood flow in both the male and female. And you do this through the production of nitric oxide to dilate the blood vessels, to get the engorgement. And without nitric oxide, that doesn't happen. So that's number one. The other thing is, you know, exercise intolerance. That people, you know, when they get tired walking up the steps or, you know, they can't start an exercise regimen because they fatigue. Again, that's a nitric oxide problem because there's loss of regulation of blood flow to the skeletal muscles. Their mitochondria aren't working because they can't make the electron transport chain becomes uncoupled. Um, you know, vascular dementia, even neurological problems, it's loss of regulation of blood flow. You can demonstrate this through spec scans or functional MRIs. There's all, no matter what the organ system is, if it's dysfunctional, it's always characterized by reduced blood flow. And why is that? Because their body can't make nitric oxide. You restore nitric oxide, you restore the regulation of blood flow, you get oxygen nutrients to those cells and tissues, you give the body what it needs, the body heals itself. It's a very simple concept. It's amazing to think how, it, how involved in everything that, that we, we do from a health standpoint. Uh, I mean, peripheral neuropathy, um, yeah. Alzheimer's, um, blood flow. I know cold hands, cold feet. People are always cold. The inability to adapt to the, the cold surroundings, all of the above. So as far as um, how, how does so you mentioned it's difficult to test. So how, I, I, you've come up with a couple of strategies to do that. Yeah. Um, so, so what, what, what are they and how do we test to see, well, I, I, I know that I have a blood flow issue, but I want to see improvements. I want to see if I'm getting better or I want to see how bad it is or how good it's getting. How, how do we do that? You know, the first thing I always like to tell is, you know, the symptoms will always tell you kind of what the, what the problem is. So, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a bag of tricks. So I think you got to pay attention to symptoms. I the salivary test strip years ago that give us an indication of total body nitric oxide availability. So if your saliva doesn't turn this test strip a bright pink, then it tells us that your body's not making sufficient nitric oxide. And then we can work backwards and try to figure out where is the problem? Is it because you have endothelial dysfunction? Is it because your diet isn't good? Is it because you're using mouthwash? Is it because you're using antacids? And then we can answer those questions and then figure out exactly where the problem is and then take the steps to correct that. So those are kind of a biochemical test. I tell people it's a good tool to have in your toolbox, but it shouldn't be the only tool you're using. There's some FDA cleared medical devices that really give you a readout of endothelial function. Um, those are good. Um, 
And I think if you're using a combination of those functional devices like the Indopad or the Max Pulse, these uh, cool little devices, along with the biochemistry and looking at the clinical picture, that's really going to give you a good indication when and if there is a nitric oxide problem. In most of the cases, it's always a problem. And so it should be a consideration. Right. And, and as far as just the, the life cycle of nitric oxide in, in terms of how long it stays around um, and or how absolute amounts we have at certain ages and how it declines, can you give us a little insight on that too? Sure. So the endothelial portion of the production of nitric oxide declines with age. So we lose about 10 to 12% per decade. By the time you're 40, you only have about 50% of what you had when you were younger. So that's kind of on an average kind of population-based studies. But we know that, you know, for instance, I'm 47, but I have the, the biological age of a 26-year-old. And to the contrary, there are kids that are 18, 20, 25 years old that have a biological age of, you know, a 50-year-old. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you can follow the average. In fact, if you, I don't want to be average because the average person's overweight, unhealthy, and on many drugs. So we have to take the steps to, to correct that and prevent that age-related decline in nitric oxide production. We know how to do that. And then the other thing is, you know, you can compensate for that with the, with, with the dietary, you know, eating, you know, green leafy vegetables or, or including more nitrate, nitrite or in your diet. Uh, so that's how you overcome that limitation. But we know through many years of study that on average, the older you get, the less nitric oxide you make. And that's what's responsible for age-related disease. Right. And you also shared with us last time, your friend, Zach, uh, Dr. Zach Bush, he had an exercise uh, video on how to boost his nitric oxide level. So the, are you uh, a proponent of high intensity exercises for that? Or is any exercise okay? Is there one better than the other? Well, I th the most important thing is exercise. Uh, you can get into detail of the quality of exercise, but it's, you need oxygen to make nitric oxide. So when you go into this high intensity interval training and you become hypoxic or run out of oxygen, then the enzyme that makes nitric oxide doesn't make nitric oxide because you need oxygen as a cofactor and a substrate. So, you know, just 20 minutes of moderate physical exercise of a brisk walk is sufficient to stimulate nitric oxide production. I think the benefits of the high intensity interval training are the adaptive effects because brief periods of hypoxia lead to this adaptive effect and upregulation of nitric oxide production. So over time, you're going to get a better benefit and probably more bang for your buck for the high intensity interval training because you're creating these brief periods of hypoxia that then allows for these adaptive changes. Right. Okay, great. And then uh, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place here because I, like, I, I hear all these questions in my head when you're asking me, when you're answering them. Um, but as far as, um, are you aware of with breathing styles? Like I know, like we teach a lot of clients that are overwhelmed and stressed, how to regulate their breathing, um, how to make sure that they are in control. Has that been, has there been any studies on that at all? Do you know, in terms of that can also boost nitric oxide levels? Yeah, for sure. There's lots of published studies on that. So deep breathing, it's really nasal breathing. So the blood vessels are lined by endothelial cells. The nasal airways are lined by epithelial cells. And so the nitric oxide synthase is actually concentrated, 
the highest concentration of that enzyme is actually in the airway epithelium. So when we breathe, deep breathe through the nose, it causes some mechanoactivation of these cells, which then stimulate nitric oxide production. So deep breathing through the nose delivers nitric oxide gas directly to the pulmonary vasculature, and that's been shown to lower blood pressure. So you can lower blood pressure just by deep breathing exercise. There is a nitric oxide component to that. The problem is if you have endothelial dysfunction, then you have epithelial dysfunction because the same conditions render that enzyme dysfunctional. So if you've got older sick patients, you know, the deep breathing I think is still good, but the effects, the nitric oxide mediated effects are going to be minimal until you recouple that nitric oxide synthase enzyme. Gotcha. See, I'm just thinking though, how can you monetize common sense stuff as getting good oxygen <laughs> and exercising and eating healthy? I mean, what, what's with that, right? You can't well, that's the that. beauty of it. People don't have to spend money to do this. This is what nature developed. And so if you, like I said, if you give the body what it needs and do the things that we've known for decades, if not centuries, it's diet, moderate physical exercise, good oral hygiene, and you know, the body heals itself. You know, people, I think, we're, we're trained to want to peel, you know, take something that can, uh, an exercise mimetic or something to, you know, if I, I don't want to change my diet, but I want something to give me the benefits of the diet. Um, and that's just not how the human body is designed to work. No, absolutely. There's I tell people when exercise. I work with them, you have a imbalance between demand and supply, you, you know, quite simply. And, um, and like, I like what you say, you're, you're, you need to minimize the things that you shouldn't be getting and you need to maximize the things that you should be getting, which again, kind of creates that equation of equality between demand and supply. Um, but let's just say, hey, listen, I, I, I like the concept of biohacking. I, I appreciate the no mouthwash, the no proton pump inhibitors, getting good activity, um, understanding arginine is not the rate limiting step. Um, but what can I do in terms of, is there something that I could use to boost my nitric oxide besides healthy quality foods? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in 20 years of research, I have dozens of issued patents. We've productized a lot of these discoveries. So I have products on the market that are patented, um, clinically proven in randomized placebo controlled clinical trials. And so that if, so that gives people, if you need the supplement, and your lifestyle doesn't allow you to change your diet and get moderate physical exercise, then we have technology that does two things. Number one, if your body can't make nitric oxide, we do it for you. But number two, and perhaps most importantly, we fix the enzyme that makes nitric oxide. So we actually improve the body's own ability to make nitric oxide. And this is a, a product in the form of an orally disintegrating tablet. You put it in your mouth, this matrix falls apart and it basically generates 20 to 30 parts per million NO gas. Um, there's some other products we have on the market uh, that are, you know, a standardized uh, beet powder that you can take. A lot of teams are using it for, for athletic performance. Um, so those are on the market. I mean, it's, look, it's a, it's a great product. It actually, it's the only products on the market that actually generate nitric oxide gas. Um, I prefer not to mention them because I'm more interested in educating the public. People can find them. Uh, we're out there. But, you know, for people who are looking for biohacking techniques and you know if they're in a position where they don't or can't change their diet or lifestyle or, or can't even begin an exercise regimen because they're so nitric oxide deficient then we can get you to where you need to be through a dietary supplement or a functional food oh no i appreciate that and i told you that I, that i was gonna 
ask you about that as well, if I had your permission. And I, if it's okay, I will put those in the show notes mm -hmm. as well. Um, but what I do want to get into, because I said, hey, listen, I interviewed you before. I want to hear what's new. And you said, well, I do have something that's new. And it's not enough to have all these patents and sit on your butt and, you know, just, you know, watch the time go by. But you're constantly doing things and everything. So why don't you tell us what you've just mentioned to me in terms of phase three and what you're looking at right now? Sure. So, so you know, I'm trained as a, as a um, drug discovery biochemist. And so, you know, I think we were very fortunate early on when we discovered some natural product chemistry that we could bring safe products to the dietary supplement and nutritional um, industry that's changed the lives of, you know, countless uh, people. Um, but, you know, my, my objective from day one was to develop safe and effective therapeutics where we could actually get into, you know, the standard of care and develop this. But, as you know, this takes many, many years. So the standard drug discovery takes, you know, eight to 10 years and usually hundreds of millions of dollars to take a drug from discovery all the way through, you know, phase four clinical trials and get an approved drug to market. So we've been working on that for a number of years. And then, you know, COVID came and this provided really a unique opportunity uh, because of this fast track and the operation warp speed from the current administration. So we've developed a safe and effective nitric oxide drug that we now have into phase three clinical trials. So everything we know about COVID, Joel, in the past 10 months, from the populations that's most at risk for uh, infection, to the patients that rapidly progress to hospitalization, ventilation, and death, it all points to nitric oxide. So the patients that have the underlying comorbidities like hypertension, diabetes, kidney disease, lung disease, all that's a symptom of nitric oxide deficiency. Nitric oxide produced by our immune system actually inhibits the coronavirus replication. So as you know, we're exposed to viruses every single day. And some people get sick, some people don't. I haven't been sick from a viral or bacterial infection in over 20 years. But yet we know every season or every season of the flu comes along. Tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are infected. Tens of thousands of people die every year. And it's no different for COVID. The susceptible population, the old, the weak, the feeble, uh, African-Americans, uh, they're the ones that are most susceptible. And so what we've done is we, we got an IND, an investigational new drug approved by the FDA to go into clinical trials in the African-American population. Because African-Americans have about a four times higher rate of infection about a three times higher rate of hospitalization and a five to six time higher day rate of death from COVID. And so it's the African-American population, the known health disparities for many, many decades that renders them nitric oxide deficient and explains the increased risk of infection, hospitalization, and death. So what we're doing is we've taken African-Americans that have had a positive COVID test within the last 72 hours, whether they're symptomatic or asymptomatic, and then this is a double-blind placebo-controlled study. They're either going to get an active or a placebo. And then we just follow them for 30 days and look at the rates of hospitalization. We're monitoring their oxygen levels throughout the day. And after 30 days, we're seeing, I mean, we're, we're seeing really remarkable results with that. So I hope to have the, the, the study completed by the end of the year and hopefully have a new drug on the market uh, shortly thereafter. So this is very exciting to me because, you know, we fast-tracked a drug that's a very safe, but also a very effective drug that there's no drug like it on the market. It generates nitric oxide and we're protecting a very vulnerable population and really 
addressing the health disparities of African Americans that everybody likes to talk about, but nobody has done anything about it for the past 40 years. And I'm very proud to, to say that we're accomplishing that. No, that's awesome. There's uh, so many things I could ask you on that. So as far as, would that be something that someone would, I mean, obviously everything we've talked about up until now <laughs> would be that prescriptive medication as well. Pardon me, in terms of um, <clears throat> removing the antacids, in terms of getting off the proton pump inhibitors, exercising, making sure they're getting good nutrients and veggies and nitrates. <clears throat> Pardon me. But would I need to have a prescription for that? Or could, yeah, could so this will this will be an, an FDA approved drug that will be, you know, prescribed by a physician. Um, you know, it'll, obviously we're doing a COVID trial. We've got other drug trials uh, ongoing for you know ischemic non-occlusive coronary disease. Uh, we've got some preclinical data, actually some clinical data in heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, pulmonary hypertension. So all these are targets that we're developing drug applications for. The first is COVID because it's kind of the low-hanging fruit. Uh, we can get rapid emergency um, approval for that. But, you know, I suspect, as, as with most drugs, that, you know, like hydroxychloroquine, that's not an antiviral drug. Uh, it's an antiparasite drug, but, you know, they're using it off-label for COVID. And so I suspect that, as, you know, if we do our job on educating on the importance of nitric oxide and the mechanism of how this drug works, that it'll have very important off-label use until we can get other nitric oxide drugs approved for specific indications. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll be that Trojan horse that allows doctors in the know to, to just improve the quality of health of the community in general, you know, ultimately. That's right. So yeah, two, that's two last questions. Yeah, two last questions I have, because I, I do respect your time and I appreciate so much that you're taking the time to talk to me. Um, I want to know, like, do you have a stated mission statement? Like, what drives you to continue to, to research and do this? Is there a personal story or is there something that you have in terms of a, hey, my mission is this? Like, can you share that with me? Yeah, you know, Joe, I got into science because of discovery and, and the medicine side of things because you, know, you want to leave a lasting legacy. I think that all of us are driven by that. We want to make an impact in people's lives and, and change people's lives. And you know, unfortunately, very few people are ever put in a position to do that. And I feel very blessed and fortunate to have made some discoveries in nitric oxide. And, you know, that's all I've done for, for 20, 25 years now. And so my mission and objective now is to create safe and effective nitric oxide technologies in every segment of the market around the world. Because I'm convinced, and I think the science should convince everybody, how important this is. And your body cannot and will not heal until you restore the production of nitric oxide. So I'm driven by the fact that, you know, I've got a pretty good head start on people. We have patents that nobody else can, can utilize or practice. And so I know how to make nitric oxide. And so my objective has been and continues to be to bring nitric oxide safe and effective technologies to the masses. That's awesome. I'm just finishing a book called The Click Effect. And it talks about sort of how that perfect storm of your of your environment and you, you, you know your education comes to a click moment actually it's called the click moment um, and i think the click moment in this instance is it's kind of astounding to understand why has this not been already approved accepted and fully blown integrated into the world and yeah. and this happens to be your specialty yeah, you know big pharma has been working on nitric oxide drugs for decades most of them have abandoned it because their approach 
was not the right approach of putting a nitric oxide linker molecule on a parent drug. Um, we've used a different approach. You know, most drug companies apply principles of applied pharmacology. They want to one drug, one target. Um, and really, that's not how the body, the human body is designed. I operate on principles of applied physiology. So we want to understand the, the disease to the extent that we can fix it. And in that model, there's no paradigm for a synthetic drug or application. So what we've done is basically we understand how much nitric oxide a normal human makes in 24 hours. We understand what goes wrong in people that can't make nitric oxide. And then our technology, whether it's in the nutrition space or in the, an approved drug, is always based on those same principles. If your body can make nitric oxide, we do it for you. And then we fix the enzyme and improve the body's ability to make it. That's outside the paradigm of big pharma and typical drug discovery. So I think that's the reason, you know, if big pharma had been successful at this years ago, you know, these drugs would be as popular as, as statin-based drugs uh, now. So I think, you know, we're, we're on a, a 20 or 30 year runway here, the very early stages. But I predict in five to seven years, nitric oxide will be, you know, like vitamin D and like a fish oil. You know, everybody will know about it. Everybody will be taking a form of it because you can no longer ignore the health benefits of nitric oxide and you can no longer ignore the consequences of insufficient nitric oxide. Yeah, absolutely well said. So, so wrapping up here, um, we had a question that we asked in the Perfect Storm Summit, but the question I ask with my podcast is, knowing what you know now, if you would have known then, what would you have told the younger Nathan that you know now um, in terms of how it would have benefited you in health or just having that 2020 vision of knowing now what you didn't know then? What, what do you think that would be? Well, Joe, it's a good question. And, you know, I've reflected back on kind of the course of, of my career and the journey. And, you know, the one thing that I've recognized is how little control I had over this journey and the direction. I think God puts people in situations in our lives at certain times to, you know, deflect us a little bit to go a path where we're designed to go. And so, you know, like most of us, we're resistant, we're, we're steadfast in where we want to go and what we think we want to be, and then life happens and interrupts. So, you know, I probably wish that I would have, you know, listened and, and been less resistant to some changes and directions that I was being, I think, pushed in or encouraged early on. Um, so I think, you know, God has a plan for all of us, and, you know, I, I wouldn't go back and do anything differently because I'm where I am today because of the journey that we've all been on. I think that that holds true for everyone. Sure, sure. No, I think I see, the analogy I get on that one is you, you kind of already had that life house that you were aiming for in, uh, in the, on, the, on the ground, um, but you would have kind of went with the tide knowing that you were still focused on that instead of really exerting energy to go in that direction that may have been pushing you in the wrong direction or a little That's further right. than closer kind of thing. That's yeah. right. Awesome. Well, listen, Nathan, I really appreciate you um, taking the time. Um, I'm really excited to see what happens with your study and your trial. I'll definitely be keeping my eyes posted on that. Um, I'll give the listeners the links to some of the information that you provided. And uh, I just really hope that um, your mission comes sooner rather than later, because the world needs to know about this. 
Well, Joe, thanks to people like you who, you know, give us the platform to educate and bring awareness around nitric oxide. I think we'll certainly accomplish that mission. So thank you and keep up the good work that you do. Awesome. You have a great rest of your day, Nate. Nathan. Thank you, Joe. All right. Take care. See you. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.